Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode number 16 of There Is No Spoon podcast. My friends call me Stephen because, well, that's my name. And since we're all friends here, please feel free to do the same. And transformative life coaching, well, that's my game. Join me here for a sushi-sized deep dive into how our minds work generally and whatever is on my mind at the moment specifically. If you think you've got better topics about which to banter, please hit me up with your best shots via email coach at renegadelifecoach.com. Today's episode is titled The Origin Story Fetish, and we'll cover, albeit loosely, what I see as a potential preoccupation with identifying the historical origin of why we behave in certain ways, have peculiar personality traits, tendencies, fears, and the like. Now, to be clear, I'm not dissing on fetishes. I've got a couple dozen at last count myself, but I also find it useful and sometimes illuminating to peek under the hood a bit and ascertain the utility of each fetish and if the payoff of maintaining it is worthwhile, which may well be the case. As a toddler, I was quite annoying for many reasons, or so I am told, one of which being my incessant asking of why, about everything and to everyone. Apparently, it was my first word and far and away my favorite. This didn't change much as I matured, and my high school teachers and college professors seemed equally as annoyed as my friends and family members much of the time. I was practically kicked out of my political science major and pushed over into the philosophy department, and it did end up being a much better fit. Then I added psychology and religion as tri-focus majors, and I was in why heaven. My personal journey also centered around the big W's, specifically why did I have certain behavioral tendencies and feelings and thoughts that held me back, and why did other people have their own? This led to an exploration into my upbringing, my parents, early impactful experiences, some while still in the oven, and, I'll admit it, even from potential past lives. All of these avenues were intellectually and often emotionally stimulating, to say the least. They weren't always fun, but they were rarely boring. As different as some of these psychological practices and theories were, they did end up having at least two things in common for me. Number one, they were all focused on the past. And number two, they were all modestly helpful, at best, in the long run. Now, perhaps, like some of you, I've spent a couple hundred hours, and I estimate over 15 grand, in various therapies, from the Freudian to the freakish, and certainly the freakish parts of the Freudian model. And I honestly don't regret any of it. I mean, what would be the point? Who knows how paths merge and diverge, and we eventually end up exactly where we belong. I mean, how could it be otherwise? My experiences with psychological therapies are the reason that I chose not to pursue a graduate degree in that field and instead chose the much less reasonable 
Eastern philosophy and religion. Apparently, the job prospects for those majors are limited to further academia or managing a Waffle House. Anywho, there is an important distinction between therapy and coaching. At least there is legally in some states and ethically in my mind and my coaching practice. To keep this simple, which of course means it will in some way or ways be oversimplified, therapy deals with a diagnosis of conditions and it seeks to heal a dysfunction. Whereas transformative coaching, at least in the way that I practice it, presupposes that every person possesses innate well-being. No one is broken, and therefore no one needs to be fixed or cured of any condition or dysfunction. This might be a good time to explain what I mean by transformative life coaching and how it may differ from other coaches, life or otherwise. The difference between a normal life coach and a transformative coach is that a normal coach is helpful, useful, is a problem solver for things like weight loss, or maybe a job, or a life transition, or public speaking, etc. A transformative coach is more providing the space and the conditions for transforming a client's relationship to life and to whatever the quote-unquote problem might be. Trans means change, a change to the form. So to change the relationship to the form itself, how you relate to your weight, your job, speaking in public, and what have you. My mentor Michael Neal puts forth three main aims of transformative coaching. The first one is to wake up, to provide the conditions by which a client is more easily able to wake up from the dream, the illusion of the outside-in paradigm, and to the infinite potential of life that is to be had with the inside-out understanding. Number two, to move beyond one's personal psychology. That is to say, Stop focusing on our personalities, our individual hang-ups, our stories. Of course, we still have them. I have mine and you have yours. It's just that our true freedom isn't to be found or retrieved by working on them, but rather by recognizing their limited value. And number three, create cool shit. As one wakes up, and moves beyond a personal psychology, true freedom can be experienced, and creativity often flows forth from that liberated state. Now, cool shit can vary greatly, which is great, I believe. As a transformative coach, once one is opened, what you do with that freedom, where you direct your passions, what you choose to create, that's up to you, and really none of my business. Go forth and prosper. So, with that differentiation out of the way, let's get back to the concept of origin stories, which seem like big ol' why stories. Many of my coaching clients have a treatment history of traditional therapy or psychoanalysis. When searching for the why of a long-suffered feeling state, such therapies will usually look for an origin story the event or events which shaped and molded and usually limited 
your personal psychology and worldview. The idea being that an understanding of the past origin story will be enough to set you free from its grip and minimize or eliminate the effects in the present. Now, it's not as though these processes never work. There are plenty of people for whom it seems to have been of great benefit. It's just that the overall success rates seem quite low. And even when it does work, it often takes a long time, is emotionally painful, and dreadfully expensive. As always, there is another way. Instead of digging through the archives of your past in search of an ancient origin story, I'm personally more interested in the present moment origin story. Now, I know that may at first glance seem a bit off, like how can the present moment have a present moment origin story? However, when we consider that thought is ever-present and always creating our moment-to-moment internal interpretation of the external world, it makes sense, at least to me, that thought itself is always the origin of whatever we are feeling in the present moment. But for thought, even or especially the thought of a past event, could you possibly have a present moment feeling? Could you possibly have a story without thought? I'm certainly not suggesting that things in the past didn't occur. Perhaps some shitty things happened, and hopefully some blissful experiences as well. What I'm putting forth is that they're not happening now. And if they're part of your internal experience at this moment, if you're having feelings about them, limiting or empowering in nature, it is by way of thought. Thought is always the creative origin story, moment to moment. Now, to be clear, if you haven't listened to other episodes, or perhaps simply zone out as I drone on, I can't blame you, I'm not a proponent of just doing positive thinking, or any type of thought policing, unless, of course, you find that helpful, then by all means carry on. I find attempting to control my every thought as a means to manage my emotional state quite exhausting and nearly impossible in the long term. Instead, it is the insightful understanding that thought is the precursor to feelings that is ultimately liberating. There's no need to control your thoughts. They're nice sometimes and utterly batshit other times. But once you see that they come and go, just like the feelings they evoke, they lose their power over you. And you are only ever one thought away from a new origin story and a fresh feeling state. This would mean that if I'm feeling unsure of myself in a new situation, it's not directly because of an embarrassing experience I suffered as a child when attempting a new endeavor. Rather, it's because I'm having unsure thinking in the present moment, which is directly creating unsure feelings. Obviously, I like to talk a lot, and sometimes am accused of talking in circles, but truly, I need to keep things simple. And to my simple mind, it makes more sense 
that my current feelings are caused by my current thinking, as opposed to hypothetically being the result of experiences in the past. I'm not saying this is true, just that it looks that way to me. I don't have proof, but I do know that when I think about my past experiences, they seem to affect me in the present. And when I'm not thinking about them, they don't. So, it is the thinking that is the constant, and the content of the thoughts, which is the variable that produces my feelings in the present moment. Is time all but an illusion? Does the past even exist? These are questions well beyond my cranial capacity and my pay grade. But it sure looks to me like all parts of our individual and collective journeys should indeed be honored. That our past experiences do play an important role in shaping the heroes and heroines that we are all destined to become. That being said, ponder and explore for yourself the utility of effort in sorting through your past for particular events that you've been told are the key to the present-day limiting beliefs and thoughts you possess. Or perhaps look to the more recent past, like seconds ago, and the origin story of that thought train and where it's headed. Thought is the paintbrush. Your consciousness is the canvas. Your innate creative potential the paint. You, of course, are the artist. There is an endless supply of blank canvases. Go ahead. Darken the page. Until next time, be like Picasso suggested. Learn the rules like a pro so that you can break them like an artist. And, like Salvador Dali, melt some shit. But not spoons, because there are no spoons. It's not spoons that bend, it's you. Be swell and stay bendy, my friends. <laughs>